you that we are so excited about the study of the book of Genesis. We're doing the first 11 chapters. And so tonight, I just wanted to give you just a little brief overview of what it is, sort of to whet your appetite so you'll get all excited about what it is that we are going to be studying together. If you want to understand more of God's truth, beloved, you have to begin with the opening book of the Bible, the book of Genesis. I was so excited when Dana was sharing with me what we would be studying in this semester because I believe that if you and I are going to deepen our walk of faith, if you and I are going to know the Lord Jesus more now than we, uh, at the end of this study than we do right now, then we're going to have to understand more and more about the book of Genesis. It was written by Moses under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And so, beloved, as we're thinking about the beginnings, I want you to listen to this intro that's in your study that Dana wrote, and I just love it. Among the vast number of beginnings in Genesis lies your beginning too. In the first pages of the book of beginnings, You will discover the true history of who you are, where you came from, and where you are going. Your story began in the garden. But listen here, girls. It doesn't end there. God is still writing your story and my story. He is still at work in our lives doing something fresh and something new. Genesis is the foundation. It is the seedbed of the whole book of the Bible. It is all about beginnings, about origins. In fact, the word Genesis literally means origins. And in this book, beloved, in the first 11 chapters, there are five great Bible stories that we're going to be looking at. And I wanted to share with you very briefly about what they are. And the first is what I called The formation in Genesis chapter 1, and if you have your Bibles, you can turn to this. But again, very brief overview, not intended to be Bible study tonight. We'll save that up for next week as we really crank it up. But the first thing I want to talk to you about is what I call the formation. The formation in Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2, we see the formation. We read about the formation of the heavens and the earth. We read about the creation of Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2. Look in Genesis chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. In the beginning. Now, beloved, that right there is a loaded phrase. We're going to see it again in John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning, God. And Moses uses the word Elohim, which is the plural word here. And so in the very first couple of words in the opening text of the scripture, we see, beloved, the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. In the beginning, God moved. He created the heavens and the earth, beloved. He spoke Into being, out of nothingness, God spoke and it was. 
And he created the heavens and the earth and everything. And he planted a magnificent garden. And he created Adam and Eve. And he planted them in that garden to take care of it, to cultivate it. And oh my goodness, it was all good. It was all good. They had unbroken communion with the Father. In the cool of the day, they would walk with God in the garden. Can you even imagine? Oh, in the beginning... And it's so incredible if you will think for just a moment with me that God who is eternal stepped out of eternity past and came into time and space and spoke this world and everything in it into existence. Just ponder his power, his perfection, his purpose, his plan. In the beginning, God created. So the first thing we're talking about is formation, but the second is the fall. In Genesis chapter 3, we read about the fall of man, Adam and Eve, sin in the garden, and the repercussions that would follow that we are still dealing with and will until the end of the age. You know the story that Eve engaged in a conversation with the enemy of her soul. And Satan disguised himself as a bright and shining being, spoke to her and, and, and she listened to him and he cast doubt upon God's word and, and she was so deceived. And yet the longer she looked at the fruit, the more delicious and delightful it seemed. And she took of it and ate it. And then the Bible says she gave it to her husband also. He was there with her. And in that instant, when Adam and Eve couldn't have possibly fully understood what the ramifications were, but knew that God had commanded and had told Adam that from all of the trees of the garden, you may eat freely. That is, you can have it all. But you're not to eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And somehow Eve got it in her mind that God was holding out. And of all that she could have, she got focused on the one thing he had asked her, commanded her not to do. So we see the formation and we see the fall so devastating that in that instant, Adam gave away the estate of mankind and doomed every person born, every person born after him to be born with indwelling sin only one, only exception being the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Adam and Eve had been plunged into sin. And if the story ended there, it would be too grievous for us to even bear. But it does not. And God pronounces judgment on the serpent and upon Eve and upon Adam. And when he speaks to the serpent, he promises the Messiah. In Genesis chapter 3, barely into the book. And he promises... The seed of the woman is going to crush the head of the serpent. Oh, hope. Hope reigned. Messiah was coming. And then he goes on not only to promise Messiah, but to actually picture what he's going to do when he takes an innocent animal and kills it and makes garments to cover them, a picture of the sacrificial atoning death and burial. 
resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, the formation and the fall. And then, so tragically, in uh, Genesis chapter 4, what I call the felony or the fatality, because the consequences of sin did not end with Adam and Eve. But they had two boys, Cain and Abel. And you know the story that uh, Cain was displeased because God rejected his offering and received his brothers. And it made him so mad that he killed his brother. So we see the formation, the fall, the felony, and then the flood. The scripture goes on to tell us in chapter 6 through 9 about the flood. How uh, the Bible says that the uh, Lord saw the wickedness of man was so great on the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart were only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had even made man on the earth. He was so grieved in his heart and he said, I'm going to blot out beasts and birds. But there were eight souls that found grace. Eight souls that obediently got into the ark and God spared Noah and his family. So we see the formation, the fall, the fatality, the flood, and the fallout. Wouldn't you have thought after the flood, when the world is being repopulated and the Bible story, the God stories are being passed down from generation to generation, wouldn't you have thought that it would cause such righteousness and holiness from the people, they would know the story well. And they would know that God is an awesome God and he's not one to be toyed with. They would know that he is powerful and he is righteous and he is holy and he is sovereign over his creation. And yet that is not what happened. It was just a few generations. And we see what I call the fallout, and that is the consequences of man's rebellion. Man gets together and say, you know what? Let's build the Tower of Babel. After God had told them to be fruitful and multiply the earth, they decided to settle in one region to develop one language, one government, and to worship the work of their hands. Oh, beloved, this story is relevant for the times we're living in, as well as instructional for us who know the Lord Jesus Christ. Beloved, as we look forward to what we're going to be doing in our study in Genesis, we're going to look at each one of these God stories, and we're going to peel back the layers and dig in deep. And what we're hoping, that as you and I look deep into these God stories, that we will consider our own story and begin to see how God is placing our story into his story. For God has a purpose and a plan. For every one of us, and daughter of the king, you have been called for such a time as this to live in holiness and righteousness and truth. Amen. We cannot wait to get started in this study. I believe that God wants to move in the hearts and lives of women to call us into a deeper walk and to call us to live in righteousness. Oh, how we need God's people to rise up. I want to share this uh, story with you real quick and then I'll close. Um, 
the, uh, this past summer, early on, actually, I guess it was in the um, uh, lockdown, Mr. Stockdale was doing something at our house using a, I believe it's called a sheetrock knife. It has a curved blade. Now, I had been with him the night before, and he had on very heavy leather gloves. But this particular night, he was out there, you know, unsupervised, and... <laughs> You know what I'm saying? And not that I'm good with tools at all. They don't let me use any tools. I, I really, they do not. And honestly, I may be off electronics. I, I'm, I'm saying that is the next step. But any, anyways, I'm cooking dinner and Mr. Stockdale comes in and he's always got the biggest smile on his face. It's, in fact, when he's not smiling, things have gone really badly. And so he throws the door open and he is, I'm not going to tell you all about it, but he's bleeding heavily. And, uh, I've just got to tell you, I don't do well with blood. Any of my people out there, any of us? Oh, yes, yes, yes. This is not going to be good. It's not going to end well. And so I said, what in the world is happening? He's holding his hand, and blood is dripping, and um, he's trying to get water on it. And I said, what did you do? And he said, well, you know that knife? It's like you sliced your hand with the rusty knife that belonged to your father that I saw you use last night? Is that what we're talking about? And he said, yes. And so uh, we put direct pressure on it, and um, Craig said, I need you to look at it to see if you think it's deep enough to go to the hospital. <laughs> I don't think that's a good plan. And so... <laughs> I called my daughter-in-law, who's a nurse, and I described it to her. And, of course, she's saying, could you open it up and send me a picture and let me look at it? <laughs> no, I don't believe I can. And so I felt like what he needed to do was go on to the emergency room. And so uh, we, I got him all packed up and then masked up and all that, drove him to Baptist uh, Collierville and uh, dropped him, uh, pulled in there at the emergency room. Now, we had gotten it to stop bleeding, but he was using a lot of pressure. And I said, let me go in and see if they'll let me fill out the paperwork for you so that I can at least do that much. Then all you'll have to do is come in when they're ready to see you. So I go in there all masked up and keeping my uh, social distancing. And I'm talking to the admitting nurse there and I'm explaining what's happening. And I'm asking her, could I possibly do this on my husband's behalf because he's not doing very well? And uh, she said, oh, she's so sorry. She, that would not work. He has to come in and fill out the paperwork. But she assures me she's going to take care of him and she will write for him very good. So I go out, send my husband in, all this gauze on his hand. He goes in and he's in there a while and we're very grateful they were able to just glue it back together. But when he came out, I'm telling you, he was just dying laughing. And I said, what? He's so funny. He said, well, you're not going to believe this. He said, when that sweet nurse was trying to get all that paperwork done for me, uh, she asked all of these questions, all the medical questions, all the insurance questions, all those kind of things. And then she said to my husband, and sir, do you bathe? And Craig said, I, I just stepped back a moment. And I said, do I bathe? And she said, yeah, that's right. Do you bathe? And he said, well, uh, I don't see how that has to do with my hand. I'm willing to ask the question. And she answered the question. She said, good. Do you bathe? And my husband said, how does it matter whether I bathe or not? And she pulled her mask away from her face and she said, not bathe, vape, V-A-P-E. <laughs> I said, Craig, R, if you had told her, yes, every day, sometimes twice, that would be in your medical records.
It's important what we under, that we understand what is being said. And I want to tell you, we need to know this book. That's what Bellevue Women's all about. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for these precious ones who are here tonight. Lord, I know there are women in here who are hurting and discouraged and in terrible, hard places. God, would you draw them up close? Would you speak to their hearts? Would you minister to them? Would you bless them? And as these precious testimonies are shared, Father, I am just asking that the Spirit of God would so connect us as women heart to heart and spirit to spirit. And as we share God's stories of our own, Father, help us to learn more about your story. We love you, Lord. We love you and we bless you and praise you. So receive this time of worship and praise and testimony for your honor and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.